and welcome to Bougie Adjacent. I'm Amanda Lauren. Today, I am so excited. I have one of my favorite influencers on the show, and I always botch her name, even though I've interviewed her a million times. Um, Adelaida Advic. Did I finally pronounce her name right? You said my first name right. The last name is Avdich. People always say Advich or Advic, just because I think it's easier for that pronunciation, but it's like a CH at the end. There's an accent on the C in Bosnian. It's... Well, because Americans are stupid. Like, let's face it. Americans don't know what we're doing. We're complete morons compared to the rest of the world. And, you know, we're lucky we, like, know how to breathe on our own at this point. I mean, it's bonkers. Like, but thank you so much for being here. So for those of you who don't know, Adeletta has over half a million followers on Instagram. How many do you have on TikTok now? It's about three... 340,000, something in that's that range. That's still really, that is really killing it. I'm, TikTok has been my jam, especially since the pandemic started. I feel like everyone shifted over to TikTok because they were like, what are we going to do with our time now? And I was like, I'm going to make more videos. <laughs> I'm I'm about to get very big into TikTok. I feel like I'm going to have a strategy. I've been reading about it. I've been looking at a lot of other people's content and getting inspired. And it's yeah. weird. I'm like, I feel like I might rip people off, but also like I'm putting my own spin on things. And that's really the point of TikTok. That's a, a couple people mentioned that to me recently. They're like, I feel weird, like copying the video and the creative. And I'm like, it's a trend. You're supposed to do that. Just do something unique that makes it your own. Like every time I see certain videos, I'm like, oh my gosh, I could throw skincare into that. I could use the music. I can do a little bit of the dance. I don't think anybody wants to see me dancing too much, but then I can throw in skincare into the mix, you know, or some sort of fashion routine just because that's more me. But I, I think there's a good way to take the creative and the ideas and use the trend and also make it your own. So I think what you're doing is perfect. It's, it's interesting with design because I want to basically do like 90% design stuff on this. And at first I was like, I don't think, and then I'm like, wait, there's the only thing I will say is this. I feel like, okay, you have naturally gorgeous skin. You have killer eyebrows. I want to know your tricks. I want to know your products before we get into sort of the meat of this conversation. But do you feel, I feel like you always look good on your Instagram, no matter what, like, even if you're not wearing a lot of makeup, I feel like yesterday I looked like such a troll and I was like, sorry guys, this hair not washed. And I'm, I, this is a very controversial thing, but I do wash my hair every day. I'm not one of the people who wow. wash it every two weeks. I'm very anti that, but people get very offended and angry when they're like, you wash it every day because they they feel like I'm judging them for not washing their hair that often. But according to my trichologist, thin hair, fine, thin hair, like mine, Every day we have more skin cells on our scalp, which means more oil is being produced. And then she said for coarser, thicker hair every two to three days. So the two weeks, I can't do it, <laughs> but mm -hmm. eyebrows are just microbladed. I have a really good microblading girl. I've been going to her for the last year and I had someone else for the previous years before that, but I got on the microblading trend before everyone was doing it. I think I've had like good brows for like six years now. Cause I was like, just, I don't want to deal with it. Some days I'd look super surprised. Some days I was angry. Some days I was sad because mm -hmm. when I draw it myself, you don't know what you're going to end up with. So the microblading has really made it a lot easier for me. I really want to do that. My husband doesn't like the look though. He's like, you're not micro like, and he's so like, and my husband like doesn't really care that much, but he's like, I really don't want you to microblade your yeah. eyebrows. 
was. Um, so I yeah. might do it just to piss him off. Like you could, and you can tell her the exact shape you want to. I'm just so glad that the trend is not like the tattoo, like thin. You you know the trend from like yeah. you know 15, 20 years ago. I'm glad that's not it. I like the microblading look because some of the lines actually look like you just got a really nice wax. I'm here for that. I do. I do wax my brows because, and then I'll like, I'll do my own tweezing, but I, I don't know. Like I had very bad pandemic brows. And then I went to Kelly Baker who does Kim Kardashian's and she's amazing, but she closed her salon. And like, I have no idea. I honestly have no idea. And it's like, I can't, like, I can go, it's very expensive to get it done there, okay? But I'm like, I don't have the money for her to come to my house and do this. Like, it's not like, like, it's, that's insane. Like, I don't have Kim Kardashian's bank account of let me just have Kelly Baker come over. So I'm just sort of, I'm just like, fuck it. I'm going to European Wax Center. like off the vlog from me and I'm just like it's, it's kind of cheesy but you know what they do a really good job so I am I'm fine with it you know yeah. so what are your what are your favorite products right now that's really hard there's a lot of products around me on my desk in both of my bathrooms I'm gonna tell you we have I have more products and I use more products than any normal human should but that's because I test products so other people don't have to And so what we do is we have a totally separate daytime routine and a totally separate nighttime routine. So my guest bathroom has the daytime and then our master bathroom has the nighttime. And we kind of interchange a lot of things. I'm going to tell you, I was just talking to someone about this. So when it comes to cleansers, I am really a big fan of a new brand that I just discovered. It's called Layers Probiotic Skincare. And we're kind of getting into this phase of like probiotic this, probiotic that. Is it a trend? I don't know. But in terms of skincare, a lot of the issues that are in your gut are coming out on your skin and your face and people don't put two and two together. So I really like her approach. So she has the probiotic capsules, but then her skincare is all in the same breath where it's supposed to actually help soothe your skin. So I really like that. So that's Layers Probiotic. Um, Augustinus Bader has been a really, just really killing it the last year or two. I feel like since we've been in this pandemic, that brand came out of nowhere, in my opinion. And everyone was like, $200 serum, should I do it? Should I not? It's actually really good. I don't think it's overhyped. I don't know if you've tried his stuff yet, but it's really no, good. No, I have to. You do. It's very much right up your alley. It's bougie, but it's really good. It's kind of more, it's a little bit harder to find in some cases, but it's a really good brand. So I've been loving their stuff. Um, I'm kind of just looking around. Dr. Papa has been an amazing brand that I've discovered this year. I really love all of his stuff. Also serums from Dr. Laura Devgan. I'm more of a medical grade girl, by the way. SkinCeuticals, Dr. Dennis Gross, like those are my jam because I I do find, yeah, I just, I find that the higher, just the higher percentages and the doctor medical grade ones are just going to do more. It's going to be way better than what you get at a Target or CVS, you know, your local pharmacies, just because the efficacy, that word is so hard for me, the efficacy is much higher. The percentages of each of the ingredients is going to be higher and the ingredients are going to be better. You know, if you think about it, if you pay $5 for a serum and you compare, you know, a vitamin C serum that's $5 to one that's 200, you're obviously going to be getting a better product for the higher price point. And I know people hate when you say that because they're like, oh, expensive isn't always better. 
in skincare, usually it is. If it's a medical grade brand, they've actually sourced the best ingredients from all over the world to find you like the best rose petal that's going to go in that rose oil. It's all just pure and cleaner. In my opinion, again, we try a lot of stuff and I do still love the Sephora Target brands, but they just don't compare in terms of efficacy and getting you those results where, especially with a retinol, you would want to spend that higher price point to actually see some kind of change with your fine lines, wrinkles, and the anti-aging. So lots of brands. There's there's just a lot to mention, but those are kind of the ones top of mind right now. I just do prescription trendnoin for my retinol and I, it's strong, mm-hmm. but like, and, but I wear sunscreen. I do peel sometimes when I'm yeah. doing it too many days in a row, but I always tell people that I actually, it's so funny because on my blog, which I haven't updated in years, I still get traffic on this post about retinol all yeah. the time. Like it's crazy. You kind of knew the trend before it happened. Cause remember we had this moment of like hyaluronic acid that we're kind of moving past that now. And I feel like people are really much into retinol and understanding all the different varieties of it, right? We hear retinol, but there's retinol. Retinaldehyde is the, again, another hard word for me to pronounce, retinaldehyde. Um, It is actually the main ingredient, but you have these prescription strengths, but then you go all the way down. And so people don't even know the difference between each of them. So I think I'm going to have to do a blog post breaking that down because there's just so much to learn. And you also don't know that just the change of retinol versus retinol makes a huge difference in the product. So it's, there's always something to learn. And I've been loving talking to dermatologists and people who know way more about all this than I do. And I want to bring this up because we're kind of talking about it. I've asked a few dermatologists, what are their thoughts on people like me who are not qualified in anything? I'm not a doctor. I'm not a dermatologist. I'm just a consumer, a very crazed fanatic. guinea pig. Yes, basically. (laughs) I like that. (laughs) And I've asked them, I'm like, how do you feel about me as this individual telling people, you know, this product could work for you or it's really good for me or, you know, I'm recommending this brand. I really like it. And they're like, you know, We have certain brands as doctors and dermatologists that we have to have in our office and it has to be a certain level. So it's got to be medical grade. That's why you see SkinCeuticals and so many med spas and so many dermatologist offices. And she said, you know, we don't get to try as many products as you do. So you have just the personal experience of having all these PR boxes sent to you. So you can tell people, you know, maybe the $10 vitamin C is good enough for someone who's 18, who's just starting out, right? It may not be good enough for someone who's 45, that's really trying to target something on their skin, and they want that higher efficacy. So it's just very interesting that they're so open to it. But they're like, you're a consumer, and you're trying all the stuff, your opinion is valid, because it's your experience, as long as you're not prescribing people and being like, you know, you need to go do this. And this is for you. They're totally fine with it. They're like, it actually helps us because you're just giving the the consumer side of products that they can get their hands on much more easily than some of the medical grade. That's no, that's super helpful to know. I was also going to say, do you ever tell people to get the, there's so many websites where you can literally now get a prescription for retinol with like telemedicine. It's crazy. There's also sites now that I've been seeing where you can actually send them photos of all the skincare that you have and tell them what you're trying to target, send them photos of your skin, and they will like basically give you a full-blown routine. 
And they won't necessarily say get rid of everything you have. They'll say, you know, keep your cleanser. That's okay. Your SPF looks pretty good. But let's add this serum for the daytime. Let's add this for the nighttime. So you can keep some of your routine and then only add a couple things. I just love that because we live in such a day and age where like, I don't really want to go into a doctor's office. And I honestly don't want to talk to anybody on the phone either. I'd rather just text someone photos of my face. You don't need to see me up close, right? Like we can do like a quick video. I can take it, send it to you via text. And you tell me like what you would recommend for me. And I think that is kind of the way of the future where we have to have this like less of the copay of like, look at my skin dermatologist. Like mm-hmm. I could have just sent you a video and saved us all the time. Right? No, exactly. I agree. And even going to stores now, it's so unpleasant. Like, I don't want to say I don't like Sephora, but I'm not, I'm not a fan. And I think because they're mostly in malls and I'm not like a mall yes. person. I hate malls. <laughs> It's like, it's the worst. Like there's this place. Well, I mean, listen, like you, a lot of the stuff I get is like, is from, you know, press mailings. Mm-hmm. So I have all of that stuff, but sometimes I do need, I go to this place. It's a local place called Larchmont Beauty Supply. I'm sure you've been there in LA. It's been there for 40 years. Like the people that work there know what they're doing. You're in, you're out, you're on your way. I hate having to, I don't know. It's just like everything in Los Angeles, which sort of brings us to like the main of all this, which is that like LA, I'm, I'm recording this from the Hamptons. If anyone who's listening to this doesn't follow me on social media, um, this is the second summer we've been here and we stay here for like two, two and a half months, which is a long time to be away. But um, LA has become such a nightmare. It's a, it's not a great, I love my friends. I love the weather. The rest of it is trash. Like it is so, it is not a great place to live. And I sort of wanted to get your perspective because I'm just jealous you don't live in LA. Like I am jealous you live in Arizona. It sounds like a much better place to live. And I'm sort of like fascinated, especially because you have lived in, so you were born in Bosnia, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then you moved from there to how old were you? Can you summarize your story for people who don't yes. know? Yes, I'm I can tell you in about 15 seconds. So born in Bosnia in the early 90s, we came here as refugees, um, basically gave up our citizenship to Bosnia to become citizens of the U.S., seeking asylum from the Yugoslavia and breaking of the war and all that. And so then we lived in Philadelphia for about three and a half years in uh Pennsylvania, obviously. Um, I was thinking like I'd said Pennsylvania, not Philadelphia. We were in Philadelphia for a couple of years and then we moved to LA, which is where I grew up. So I am very much in the same like neck of the woods when you're back in LA. And so once I graduated high school, I decided to go to Arizona. University of Arizona was here in Tucson. And once I graduated, I decided to stay for a couple of reasons. And actually, I'm really glad we're talking about this because I've been kind of following the news and all the politics of what LA is. And I have to say, a couple of years ago, when I told my mom and I called her and I said, I'm not coming back, I don't want to spend three hours in traffic a day to, you know, work a job for like minimum wage, where I'm basically going to be giving up like my check to pay for rent, because I said, I'm not living with you guys, I want my independence, I want to do this and all that. And so that was one reason it was the traffic, I didn't want to be in a car that long, I didn't want to pay the enormous amount for rent. But now just seeing the amount of homelessness and how it's not really being handled and you got these amazing multi-million dollar homes 
and people are camping, you know, there's homeless camps like literally on the same street. I would honestly, and I'm not wealthy in that sense, but I just think that it's gone a little too far. And there's a lot of other issues, especially in LA that we don't need to get into, but I've definitely been following it. And I'm so glad now that we decided not to move to LA because we made a decision to buy a house in Tucson as home base. And then long-term, we want to have like a summer house to get out of the heat here somewhere Mm -hmm. in like the Northern Northeast, Northwest part of the country, like a Montana, Vermont, like somewhere that's nice and cool in the summertime, but definitely not in LA. And so it's funny because honestly, I got to tell you like five to 10 years ago, I was like, my life is over. There's nothing that happens in Tucson. I want to live in LA. I want to live in New York city. One of those two. And now I'm like, whoo, glad I missed that one. It is the homelessness is so bad. The thing is this, like, so I have tolerated it because, and I'm going to sound, this is sort of bougie, but my blog, I live, it's like, it's so stupid because you can tell literally where I live if you scroll through my Instagram because it's a famous building that's next to a bunch of famous buildings next to a country club. There's so much private security on my block at night that if there's any riffraff, they like, yeah. not police aren't they're literally asked to leave they're like you can't stay here and they go they don't even try because they know that there's i'm pretty sure the security at the country club next door is armed um they have to be but it's it's bonkers and here's the thing no one wants to listen i haven't like talked about this publicly but i was in physical therapy doing a private it was it was like legit physical therapy but it was private pilates um, at my chiropractor's office, height of the, the pandemic during the shutdown. And we're there, we're, you know, we're doing 100s. And this homeless person busts into the office and starts screaming and demanding a mask and being crazy. I run off my reformer. I go into like a private office. I lock the door a- after me and I call 911 and I'm like, I'm done. Yeah. I'm like, I can't like live like, like I'm like, and it's, it's really, and nothing bad happened, but it was really traumatic and scary. And I was crying and the police were so, because it was the city of West Hollywood, which for those listening, they, it's its own city in LA. So they have their own smaller police force. They sent a social worker. They were great. Like, yeah. They were more than kind to this person who was really, really sick. And that's the thing. Like, all of these people are really, really sick. And they are trying. Listen, like, there are tiny home villages. Do I want to live across the street from one? No. No. And people can do what want. We can pull pretty much. I know. And I, I want to preface this, too, as saying, like, I am... I'm more so liberal than I am anything else, but I think there is a, there's a place where you can be too liberal or too conservative. And I think the extremists in this country are really the problem because most people fall somewhere right in the middle, right? Like I'm not saying that I don't have the solution to homelessness. If I did, we wouldn't have a problem, but I think it's gone far too long in LA. The fact that the beaches are covered is not okay. That's not how it was 10 years ago. It's not how it was five years ago. There's, there's gotta be a solution that is not letting people just camp out right outside people's homes because you've paid for that property. And I don't want my property value to go down as a homeowner. There's so many elements to this and people will say, well, oh, you're not being empathetic to them. Sure. Maybe not, but I also understand the human element. There are 
reasons that people decide to build these camps. And we need to find shelter in other ways, not in front of, you know, these houses where people are paying huge amounts of money to have those homes and they have camps in front of them. It's no, it's completely, it's reached a point like where stores have had to close because there's a homeless encampment in front of it, but that's people's jobs. Like people have to pay their bills and support their children and support their families. And it's, it's really bad. It's also, by the way, I can't imagine what it's like, you know, having a disability or using a wheelchair or a walker because there are people that are, you know, that have disabilities. They don't drive. They rely on public transportation. And they're all these, what are they supposed to do? Right. I well, think the issue no is really about in the system. I, I think the issue is, I always say the issue is with the system because, we haven't had this problem before. We now just went through a pandemic. There's probably a lot more people who have gone to be homeless because they didn't have the funds. They lost their business. They lost their job. They lost 20, 30 years of work that they put into something. And so there just needs to be a better solution from our political system. I'm not sure why we pay such high taxes if we don't have a solution for things like this, where we need to take care of the people in our own cities and not let them live that life, right? Like there's an element of like, you need to get them into shelter. So for me personally, it's a it's an issue from the ground up and it needs to come down from the politicians who take all of our taxes. But again, <laughs> these conversations get so I, I mean passionate, heated, all of that. No, I agree with you a thousand a thousand percent. And it's funny because one of my really good friends just moved to um to Phoenix. Mm-hmm. And I said, What's she's like, there's no homeless people here. I'm like, wait, so there is a solution because it's clearly not you know, the problem isn't what it is in another major city. And it's just, I mean, let me ask you, so are your parents still in LA? Yes, they live in the South Bay area. So they're not necessarily um, where some of these camps are. And I will tell you when I was out there, probably the last time when we did our our TV interview for your show, I think Mm -hmm. I remember I was driving along the freeway, I was going through downtown LA, I had some meetings down there. And the problem was like pretty bad then, but seeing it now, it's like, it's just gone so extreme. It's like, unlike anything I've seen before. And trust me, I've, I lived in LA for a long time. I've seen the progression, but they are in the South Bay. So there isn't really that big of an issue personally in that Redondo beach, Manhattan beach, Hermosa beach area. So I think they're lucky in that sense, but it's also because it's a little ways away. It's no, that's a good point. It's, it's just, it's also the cost of living. I mean, it is someone was saying it's crazy too. Five dollars for a gallon of gas now. I'm like, I'm in the Hamptons, okay? I am. In, it is not even, and the gas here is really expensive because I was filling up. We we have two. My in laws each have a car, so the four of us are here, and we're in this house, and we're very. Listen, I'm very lucky to be sitting here from one of the most beautiful places in the world. Like it's I. So I understand that like it falls on like deaf ears, but I'm like, how is it that it's more expensive? Like at the price of everything is jacked up here. Yeah. Like, uh, but what, so the four of us share cars and like, I'm filling up my mother-in-law's tank and I'm like, this is still cheaper than filling up my tank in LA. Yeah. How is that possible? I think California just really has its own micro economy and it's crazy to me. I remember seeing one of the reports saying that San Francisco was the most expensive place to live. And it was like, you know, on average, if you didn't make at least 150 grand a year, like you were poor because San Francisco is so expensive. And I'm like, 
some people like to think that you have to make $150,000 a year just to like do normal things like pay your rent, you know, yeah. have a car, like get on the like whatever transportation system you're using to go out to eat with your friends. Like that's crazy. Like that cost of living just doesn't make sense. And I feel like California has always been notorious for being a little bit more expensive. You know, like when I order a martini in LA, it's not going to be like $8 or, you know, something reasonable like it is here. It's going to be like a $25 martini. <laughs> I am for, wait, it's $8 at like a nice restaurant or like a decent restaurant. You can get a martini for eight. Yes. If the nicer restaurants, you'll probably pay like $12 to $15, but you can get a martini for much less. It's crazy. But in LA, it's like $25 martini. No, thanks. I'm good. It's the same alcohol. It's the same thing. You know what I mean? It's just crazy to think. Bonkers. <laughs> I love how we're comparing this based on the price of martinis. Beer is even cheaper here for anyone listening. Beer is cheap in Arizona. That is so, I just can't, I know. I hear like, and also I feel like, the cost of buying a house in LA, my neighborhood is so, I mean, listen, we're like renters. And I always say that on this podcast, like we rent. The reason why is because the nearest available house to where I live went on the market for $13 million. Yeah. It's crazy. Like yeah. We all need to be like the Kardashians to afford that price it's point. It's crazy. It's not, it's like, and I'm not even making this, I'm not even like making this up. Like we look and we're like, I can't believe this is like, this is not a, listen, like that is not a league. I think I'll ever, I'll ever be in must be nice. What's the down payment on that? Like 1.5 million. (laughs) I mean, it's just, it's so, it's so crazy. It's just like, it's a lot of money. It's a lot of effort and it's the, it's starting to fit. It's starting to fade for me. And, you know, also being an influencer, like we were before we started recording, you were saying that like, you thought you had to be in New York or LA, but you're a super successful influencer. You're a full-time, when did you, was it two years ago, as I recall, that you stopped your regular job? I think now, yeah. So it's been almost three years, I think this September. So we're getting up to three years since I quit my full-time job. And then my husband joined the team right before the pandemic hit. So it was like January of last year, he was actually full-time with me too. And he left the job that we had met at. So full-time now for almost three years, which is awesome. And I did, I do find that not being in LA or New York makes it a little bit trickier because even now, I'm already planning like New York fashion week for September for the fall, because normally what I do is I meet with each of my contacts individually. So like, you know, my Mac cosmetics contact or my NARS cosmetic contact, seeing them and having a face-to-face brunch, lunch, like getting drinks, getting coffee, like all of that, it really just builds the relationship and it makes you kind of more top of mind. Cause now they have a face to a name rather than just like this person who annoyingly emails me, asks me for Uh opportunities like throughout the year, right? Like they now know a little bit more about me because whenever you're sitting in those social settings, like you're going to tell them about your life, you're going to tell them about your pets. And then when that campaign opens up, you know, two, three months down the line, I'm top of mind because they just saw me. So I am, I I still feel like I have a little bit of that disadvantage because I can't just do those meetings like on the fly. But to be honest, I mean, yeah, it's not too big of a deal. And I have to tell you, I don't like to live my life in the LA, New York City, like lifestyle all year round. I like going for a week or two, being part of the hustle and bustle, 
in this crazy traffic, always late, you know, meeting after meeting after meeting. But I don't want to do that every day of my life because it's just too much anxiety. It's like super high cortisol for me, especially like meeting with people so constantly. So I like my breaks when I live here just because it's like very chill and calm. But I will tell you, there is not much of an influencer community. There's nothing like you could ever, like we could never create like a bloggers who brunch here. You know what I mean? There's just not enough people. Whereas in LA, like there's multiple groups where people have organized to bring creators of all sorts together. So I do, I wish there was more of that community, but I feel like I've found people from all over that we can text and talk and do all of that. And it doesn't necessarily mean that we have to be in person, you know, once a month and do this brunch or whatever, but it's, it's definitely got its perks. I kind of like being away from all of that, to be honest. It sounds so nice. It's, it's funny because we sort of, you know, before, and it's like, I always feel like I sound like I'm bragging, but like before the pandemic, like I got invited to more events than I could ever go to. Right. There were some, there were some times when I would have like three in a day yeah. and it was so nutty and so, but like really fun. Like, I'm not going to lie. I really enjoyed a lot of it. Not all of it, but I, but for the most part, I enjoyed it. I get that, I get that it's not for everyone. And then the pandemic just took away. I mean, everyone was on Zoom. No one, there are people that like Zoom events. I'm not one of those people. I'm not one of those people either. I I feel like anytime there's like a Zoom launch event for a product, it is just, everyone's trying to get off of Zoom. And I, I really hate that experience. So I'm really hoping brands start going back to having their press trips because if you're launching a new product, and you're just talking about it and you're like, we created it for this reason and this reason. It's like, it's like a meeting to me. I want to experience like going behind the scenes. I want to see the factory. I want to see all the ingredients. I want to talk to like the co-founders of the company. You know, it's just a different thing when it's not in person. So I have to agree with you. It's, I've not been a fan of these virtual events. And I will say that most of the time, the package for the virtual event is doesn't ever get to me before the event. So it's like, it's a cocktail making class and we're going to put this new eye cream on. My package hasn't arrived, so I'm not making a cocktail. <laughs> you know, it's just like very disorganized and chaotic. I will tell you the only ones that I like, and I'm not just like saying this, are Peter Thomas Roth ones because it's like half an hour because they have them all the time for every new product launch. Yeah. I just, are you on those calls? No, there's too many that happen. <laughs> I was going to say no, but you're invited, right? I was going to say if you're not invited and you want to be, I'll make an intro. <laughs> I feel yeah. Like- but like it's I don't mind those because they keep it short they keep it sweet they try to keep it interesting a lot of times I'll like multitask and just sort of listen in and I feel kind of bad but I always end up putting it in roundups and stories and whatever but like it's just I agree it's not all that interesting I mean you went on a lot of I feel like before the pandemic you were always on a press trip Yeah, it was a lot of trips. It was mixed in with tourism, working with destination marketing organizations. So like, um, you know, like a visit Florida or a visit Miami, I'd work with those organizations to plan a trip and showcase all of our, all the fun activities we did. And then a lot of the other ones were mostly, I would say, skincare related. Um, One of the best trips, well, this was not skincare at all. It's hair care. One of the best trips Mm -hmm. that we've had in a long time was actually going to Mexico. And it was myself and my husband, we went to Mexico and it was a pretty small group. I think there was five girls total and each person could have a plus one, but it was just a really good group. And I actually met like one of my favorite people ever who we work together all the time now. And it was just 
really cool to be in the place where aloe comes from. And they kind of showed us like the benefits of aloe. We cut up aloe and Mexico is known for its aloe. That's where a lot of our aloe supply comes from. So it was really cool to dive into more of that detail of the product and actually have them take you to a place where like the key ingredient in that new launch comes from. I thought they did a really good job, but yeah, some of these virtual events, I'm just like, yawn, you know, because it's like, you can see the trends and especially you, since you're also getting a lot of the new stuff, you can kind of see the trend is like, oh, everybody's adding squalene now into their products. Let's talk about squalene again. It's like, I've already studied that ingredient. I don't need you to tell me what it is. You know, it's I, like, I knew it's so funny that you say that. I noticed that it's coming back. I'm like, yeah, I feel like I was using that five years ago. And then like, I, I can't think of the brand. It was very good. Green bottle. And they were the original squalene people. I just, I can't think green of a name, but it had like a green glass bottle. It was very pretty. I think they're sold in Sephora's or on the website now. I can't yeah. remember. But now but squalene's in everything. And it's like every virtual event is explaining it to you. And I'm like, we, we know what squalene is, right? Like if you're yeah. in this space and you're being invited to these events, I would hope that you know what squalene is or the basics of hyaluronic. But, you know, what's interesting is that some of the information that you and I may know is not necessarily common knowledge to other people. And that's what always amazes me when people are like, oh my God, you're supposed to yeah. put vitamin C on in the morning. And it's like, that seemed like such a no brainer. Like, of course you put it on in the morning. It helps you with your skin and with all the environmental toxins and the pollutants and everything that your skin's going to experience throughout the day. And people just don't know that. And so we, we think this stuff is like common sense, but it's not, it's not something that other people study. So it is always interesting, but yeah, the, the virtual events, I, I just, I need them to end. <laughs> I'm still getting invites to the virtual events and I'm like, can we please do something else, please? <laughs> the worst are like when people want to do virtual desk sides with me and I'm like, I don't want to shower for that. Yeah. I don't want to have to look nice for anyone. Like, I don't even want to look nice for myself. Yeah, I, I, I definitely, yeah, there's got to be a better reason. So I honestly don't even turn on my camera most times nowadays. I'm like usually hair up in a bun after the gym or something. And I'm like, okay, I'm here. I'm not turning my camera on. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's hard. I'm like, I don't, or like the time is like, well, we're doing it for these two days. And it's like the two days, the last week of the month is always bonkers for me because I always have a ton of deadlines. And I'm just like, this is the one time it doesn't work for me. Yeah. And I feel like these people get mad and I feel sort of bad, but like, you know, what, what are you going to like, just there's 24 hours in a day. Yeah. So what's a typical day like for you? Huh. Okay. So the most common thing is I wake up, I make some sort of tea or coffee. Then I go to the gym. So I go to the gym, like, not super early in the morning. I know a lot of people, if they're like morning people, they go at like five or 6am. I'm not getting up that early. It's not going to happen. So I go to the gym, um, like nine to 11 in the morning. Then I come home midday, take a shower and basically get ready for the rest of my day. It's why I usually have interviews and calls and things later in the day, because I want to just be like prepared and clean and fresh and all of that. And that's kind of like the flow. I mean, there's a lot of 
some days I'm filming a lot of videos back to back because I'm like in the mood. And I feel like, you know, people think that you can just like willy nilly, like snap my fingers and I'm going to be in the mood to do a video. It's like, no, I need to be like in the right mindset. I can't be pissed off. I don't want to be sad. I don't want to be like, just, you know, you have to just be like in that headspace. And so some days are filming days. Some days I'm recording podcasts. Some days I am doing a lot of writing for my blog. Um, so there's always something different, but around five or six, I try, I try really hard to shut the laptop off and then, um, go watch some TV. Aaron usually makes dinner. So it's just kind of like chill, but I I find myself working later and later now because things are back in business. And I feel like brands are coming out of like, I don't even know. I haven't heard from some of them in years and they're like, Hey, we've got budget to work together. So it's been really busy because I think people are realizing like life is going back to normal. Please everyone, let's just keep moving forward. So it's just been a little bit crazier, but yeah, that's kind of the flow. It's like a get up. And I just, I love going to the gym right away just because I want to get it over with. That's the hardest part of my day, but I also, it kind of energizes me. And then the rest is just like work, work, work. That's, am- I'm so bad. So in LA, I'll go to the gym. I was doing these pods at Plate Fit because that was, you know, the options were sort of limited for a while. And then I would sometimes do mornings or middays. When I'm in East Hampton, I do, I was actually supposed to go to Soul Cycle this morning. It was raining and they canceled it, but didn't email me. They're like, we emailed everyone. I'm like, I never got an email from you. I was so annoyed because it's like 20 minutes away. But whatever, like, what are you going to do? I'm not shitting on Soul Cycle, by the way. Soul Cycle, please invite me to more things. Um, <laughs> anyway, it was like an event. I don't understand. But anyway, so I'm doing Tracy Anderson streaming now, but it's very hard for me to get my. I am not self motivated when it comes to fitness, which is why I do classes. I do like Same. the Tracy Anderson streaming. Also, there's so much space. Like, we have a real backyard here. It's like in the property. Yeah. So we, I, I like to do it outside, which is nice, but like, I cannot, I always see you, you look super fit. So I always, so you're doing, okay. Is it orange fit or cross orange theory or CrossFit? What, what uh, is CrossFit now? I feel like you've been on a journey. Yeah. It's definitely been a long journey with working out. I've always been really competitive, but, uh, yeah, I think as an adult, it was really hard when I was in college. I didn't, I don't think I worked out very much at all. I enjoyed running here and there just because it always helped me clear my head. And I, I liked this, you know, running three miles and that felt good. But uh, when I graduated from college, I don't think I did anything for a little while. And then I met a couple friends at the old job that I used to be at. And they were, one girl was super fit and she's like, you have to try Orange Theory. And I was like, okay, I'll try it. And I did end up liking it, but I just got bored because it was kind of like the same workout every time. They only have so many weights and it's, you're going to more likely than not, you're going to be on the treadmill for a third of the class. Then you're going to be on the rower and then you're going to do some weights. And it just got kind of boring to me. And I, I just didn't really enjoy it. And I also didn't feel like there was, um, like what, what's the word, like a network or like a group. There was no like it was just like you go in and you do your class and then you leave. There's no like social connection to anybody. Yeah. 
And then, so I, I, I moved on from Orange Theory. I also don't like how their management works. They are extremely, in my opinion, predatory, almost like borderline MLM status, like with how they stalk you yeah. and how they don't let you get out of it and how they lose your like termination form that you want to end your membership. There was a lot of weirdness. And I, I don't know if it's just local here and the owner here is kind of like a twat, but mm-hmm. I, I just did not like the management of Orange Theory at all. So I'm not a fan personally. That's my opinion. And then I tried a lot of different things. So I went to yoga. I did bar. I tried Pilates for a while. And I just never really felt like I was getting a workout. And I never felt like any of it was really changing my body. And I have to say, I understand this like meditative, like lay down and like breathe. But like, I don't need to like pay for a class for someone to tell me to lay down for like 10 minutes at the end and breathe. I need to like be on the go. And I don't I'm breathing, right? Like I'm just not of this like Zen like type of workout. So I just never felt like it did anything for me. I like, I barely broke a sweat. So I'm like, what am I doing here? Like I'm trying to get fit and lose weight and actually like build some definition. So that was kind of like out the window for me for a while. And then I decided to do something crazy. And I was like, I'm going to run a marathon. Why I decided to go from like, you know, my usual three to five miles to now all of a sudden 26. I don't know, but I did it. And so after that, I was like, I never will do that again. That was awful. It was like the hardest thing I've ever done physically. So then I I remember I was at a bachelorette with my one of my best friends and one of the girls were all really close. I was like, girl, what are you doing? Because you look amazing. And she's like, you know, like I've been doing CrossFit for like six months. And I'm like, whatever you're doing is really working for you. And like, you know, when you kind of look at someone else and you know, like, she was always gorgeous, but like, she was like toned, like she had abs coming out. And I was like, wow, I, I need to do whatever you're doing <laughs> because I want to mm-hmm. be this toned. So yeah, I, I decided to take the plunge. I was super intimidated because people at CrossFit are, seem pretty scary and intimidating and they're all super fit. They can mm-hmm. lift. I make this joke all the time, but like when I walked in there, I was like, oh my God, these people can probably like lift me with their fingertips because they're so strong. Like they could just like lift me right over their heads. So yeah, that's been kind of my journey. I've I've done all these different things and I I kind of skipped the fitness I guess time frame from when I graduated high school through like when I graduated college cuz I I was just very unhealthy college time frame. So yeah, that's kind of the the journey. You look amazing. Thank you. It's been a, a long, long journey. I keep joking too. I'm like, I'm going to look hot for like 0.5 seconds and then I'm going to get pregnant. So the abs will disappear very quickly. No, it's so weird. We're actually trying to get pregnant right now. And I'm sort of like, well, hopefully I'll get pregnant quickly. Like I don't want to push myself that much this summer. Yeah. Um, but I'm trying. I like Tracy Andrews. Like I don't really like any streaming because I just, I need to leave my house but yeah. I kind of like it here. It's working for me right now. So I get it. Yeah. So before we pop off, where can everyone find you and share the name of your podcast? So everyone can find me on many, many platforms at okay. Attitude. And it's spelled A-D-A-A-T-U-D-E. People call me Ada, And I've always been kind of sassy sharing my opinion, whether it's popular or not. So I just went with Attitude way back in the day. And then the podcast is called Get an Attitude. And I kind of did a spin on it, like, get a clue, because that was kind of like the goal of it, like interviewing people across so many professions. But yeah, it's called Get an Attitude Podcast. And uh, yeah, we have new episodes every Wednesday.